the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I always have a seminar coming up. Got one coming up. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code Radio25 to get in for free. I focus heavily on the peninsula because that's where a lot of people live. And that's funny because that plays into that's where a lot of jobs are, which plays into that's where a lot of money is, which plays into that's where a lot of traffic is, which plays into that's why real estate keeps going up because people don't like traffic. So some of this does blend together. Monday was like the good old days. Do you ever watch for trends in the market? Things that go up, things that go down? I do. Um, one of the things I always tell people is, you know, the first Friday of every month is super important because it sets up the jobs market. And the jobs market sets up a lot of everything else, whether it be wage inflation, whether it be consumer consumption, whether it be housing, autos. There's a lot to be said in the jobs report. So one of the things that I, I kind of want to throw out right now is some of the basic ideas of you know financial planning, earning money, saving money, investing money. Uh, there's lots of different ways to play this game. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great, how are you? Great. You sound happy. <laughs> I am happy. So the National Tooth Fairy payout, what's, what do you think the National Tooth Fairy payout is on a tooth right now? Oh, boy, I don't know. I'm 13 years from having, well, I guess 10 years from having done that. I don't know, five bucks, 10 bucks? $4.13. Not a lot of inflation going on there, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know. I remember getting, like, quarters for my, my tooths. Yeah, I kind of messed up the first time it happened. I forgot because I don't use cash anymore. So I put a 20 under my kid's pillow. <laughs> Not knowing that, like, that's going to be expected for, for forevermore. Woo-hoo! We could have put a Bitcoin certificate or a fake uh, Bitcoin replication. So what's, what's your take on Bitcoin now? Because now that some, some of the luster has been taken off, uh, I'm seeing it's really a millennial thing. I'm getting a lot of young people asking about Bitcoin. I'm seeing a lot of young people talking about Bitcoin. I'm overhearing conversations. Well, the thing that frustrates me the most is the oh, the whole bank industry is going to be, you know, destroyed by Bitcoin. And oh, okay, you're going to go get a 30 year mortgage from a Bitcoin. Um, so, I mean, it's a store of value until people agree that it's not anymore. And at some point, if it ever <laughs> anywhere near back to the twenty thousand that it got to, um, it really depends on currency. You know, people wind out of their existing currency into other cryptocurrencies. To for it to continue to go up, otherwise it just becomes a store of value or another currency. 
Um, I mean, I don't think they're ever going away. I think the blockchain's definitely never going away. So I, I kind of look at it as Vegas money. But I think, Rob, the thing that annoys me the most is the pump and dump strategies that are going on. Even if when Facebook blocked the ads, you still see tons of people trying to pump up new ones and get other people to get into it, and then they sell. I mean, it's just that age-old deal on Wall Street that used to occur with penny stocks. Yeah, it is kind of funny because what goes around keeps going around. So we have a big retirement income strategy session coming up Thursday the 8th. That's right around the corner. It's going to be a good event, Crown Plaza, um, Redwood Shores, technically, but San Mateo, right off 92. Super easy to find, super easy to get to, especially if you work at Visa. It's right there. Um, How has planning income in retirement changed with the recent tax cuts? We have to get even a little bit more surgical on the tax side now because it's been a big tax cut. And a lot of people, as we've talked about on the show already, that assumed, oh, my gosh, it's just horrible for me in the state of California because now I don't get to deduct more than $10,000 of my state and local taxes off my federal return. Um, but most, a lot of people that can afford to retire in the Bay Area were paying AMT anyway, so they're already losing that deduction, and the AMT credit's gone way up. So there's kind of some pushes and pulls on, on taxes, but the biggest issue is that standard deduction went up, and the 15% bracket became the 12% brackets. All the brackets were reduced. And when I look at this, and I look at a tax cut that we received rather than a tax simplification, and the fact that you know we're not growing at four or five percent right now in the economy, I would say enjoy these tax cuts while you can, because I think that they would be higher in ten, fifteen years from now. So that means, especially from the date of retirement to age sixty-nine, like we've talked about before, really focus on how much can you get out of your IRAs to live off of them at twelve percent, or convert them into Roth IRAs at your existing bracket. So have a tighter relationship with your planner and your CPA to help figure that out. You might have, I don't know, $20,000, $30,000 left at your existing bracket before the end of the year. So you convert that amount into a Roth IRA. And all of a sudden, you go from a taxable account in an IRA that forces you to pull money out at 70 and a half. And by the time you're 80, it's a bunch of money that you're having to pay taxes on. And you convert all that money into a tax-free account that you never pay taxes on. Your kids will never pay taxes on it. So that's really important going forward, as well as younger people um, foregoing the immediate tax gratification of the, the pre-tax 401k. And look really closely at whether or not it makes sense for you to do a Roth 401k, because most companies offer a Roth 401k now. That's excellent. I like the idea of Roths. Um, I like the idea of options, and uh, we're getting more and more of them. Moving right along, though, has the 2017 tax cut changed the way we save for retirement? I think the biggest one will be self-employed people. And the reason why is because we have all these complicated um, new deductions. And all of these miscellaneous itemized deductions, gone. But business owners have potentially a 20% of net income deduction on the return. It depends on what type of business that they're in. And it depends on what their current taxable income is. So self-employed people that are really trying to save money for retirement and reduce their taxes, if they have other assets to live off of, they can combine 401ks and defined benefit plans and defer a ton, like well over $100,000 of their current income from their work into a pre-tax account to get their taxable income low enough to get these new deductions. But 
they might say, well, I can't afford to put that much away. I'm living off of it. Okay, well, if you have other assets, you can live off of other investments outside of retirement accounts. In the meantime, that might work. So there's going to be, again, a lot of <laughs> a lot of real detailed tax planning for people, especially self-employed and people that own real estate. Sounds good. Again, as we wrap up, uh, we have a big event coming up March 8th, 630 to 8.30, CFP Chad Burton, Income and Retirement, Wealth Preservation, Retirement Strategies, Current Market Outlook, and much, much more. Um, we are almost out of time, but that's coming up. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25. We've finally seen a jump in rates. Has this helped retirees yet with savings? Well, bonds are more attractive than they were a year ago, that's for sure. The rates are a little bit higher, and you've seen a jump in rates big time. You've also seen a little bit of increase in inflation, so it's been offset. I would just say make sure you get rid of you know any debt that's increasing with rates um, based on prime and things like that, especially as you go into retirement. Adjustable rate mortgages. Keep an eyeball on them. CFP Chad Burton, you can catch him here 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, as well as Fridays. He's got scheduled Thursday and Friday this week. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. The event's coming up March 8th. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Today is the day to end all days. It's February 27th. Look at your calendars. It's National Pancake Day. International House of Pancakes, 13th Annual National Pancake Day. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., participating restaurants are giving away free short stacks of buttermilk pancakes. Select locations have extended hours all the way to 10 p.m. The dine-in only deal is limited to one short stack per person while supplies last. Short stack usually costs $5.79. That's a pretty good amount of carbs. Get Um, in my belly! And if you go and eat, they're going to donate money to the Children's Miracle Network. Hospitals of Leukemia Lymphoma uh, Society said, if pancakes are your thing, IHOP's your, your, your play today. So, you know, that obviously plays right back into why companies like Apple are saying that we want to have clinics inside our offices to, to help our employees because they just ate a stack of pancakes with a goop on top. So sugary goop, that is. So why would someone like Apple want to invest in health? Health problems result in 69 million workers reporting missed days each year, reducing economic output by $260 billion per year. That could be a large part of it. Could also be, you know, employees want it. A couple of years ago, I was speaking at Visa, and the millennials, all they wanted was they heard that Google gave away sushi at lunch, and they wanted that. Um, even though Visa had some pretty nice perks, and they're you know uh, giving their employees tied towards their four hundred one k's, but uh, I'll take sushi, please. So the White House cut a big deal with Boeing for three point nine billion dollars for two new Air Force Ones, three point nine billion dollars for two new planes. Um, wow. We had to make the move, and we decided to make the move. I'll say that one one more time. Um, 
3.9 billion for two new four Air Force Ones. I'm starting to think the president shouldn't travel. I think he should just stay in his office all day long and work. Trump has reached an informal deal with Boeing on a fixed-price contract for the new Air Force One program. The White House is out there saying, thanks to the president's negotiations, he's saving taxpayers $1.4 billion. But I'm stuck on that two planes, $3.9 billion number. I know what's good and bad. <clears throat> Do you remember way back in December 6, 2016, when Trump... T- Texted Boeing's building a brand new 747 Air Force One for future presidents, but costs are out of control. More than $4 billion. Cancel order. And he's getting two. Well, I'll just be quiet. <laughs> so I want to sound like a like I'm nagging. Nag, 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 nag. You are fake news. Fake news. Uh, fake news. It's kind of cool to be called fake news. I'm not sure if you're with me or against me on that one. But it feels kind of good. Um, Other stories out there. Microsoft is planning to build quantum computers. The theory of which contemplates particles existing in more than one state at once. Um, So that's out there. Uh, If Microsoft can pull off quantum computing, it could be the promise of, you know, um, Satya Nadelli. The CEO of the company who four years ago said that could happen. So tell me that, you know, there is still innovation out there. AT&T's in the news today. Um, you know, they have a proposed acquisition Time Warner, and it remains on hold. And because that kind of this, both stocks are kind of going nowhere, um, worthy of note. The Amazon president, chairman, and chief executive, Jeff Bezos, received an ultimate accolade when Warren Buffett... Took his hat off to him yesterday or over the weekend, talking about um, the amazing managerial talent of Jeff Bezos. So he himself, Warren Buffett, said he blew it by not investing in Amazon. And uh, that's out there. So some of the stock talk stories out there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So Starbucks is doing everything they can to get the lunchtime eater in and the dinner time drinker in. So those are the big things that they need to kind of, they need to stop being just a morning company. So pay attention to what brands they're, they're pushing and what sort of products they're pushing. Uh, I think you can figure out a lot just by watching what they're trying to do. You can figure out a lot of what's going on in retail because they have top management. Um, Amazon always in the news. Will they be the first company to hit $1 trillion or will it be Apple or will it be Google? It's going to be one of them, right? Fitbit crashes 12%. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please be careful on the Roku's and the Fitbits, the people who are competing with the established players of streaming. Shares of wearables Pioneer Fitbit are down 12% today. Um, smartwatches are taken over from the fitness tracker. So the pure fitness tracker feels to me like the PDA, the personal digital assistant, you know, the back in the days of the Palm Pilot, not public display of affection. Um, but Apple's watch is taking a chunk of sales away from Fitbit, chunks and chunks. I would not hope for a turnaround or a dead cat bounce. I would be, it's, that's one that I just don't want to play. Again, if, if, you're, if you're messing with King Kong, he will punch you in the face at some point in time. Whether that King Kong be Amazon, 
or that King Kong be Apple. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. I always have seminars coming up. You can go to robblackshow.com. Look for the seminars coming up and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. This is Doc Talk. All right, back. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. It's my favorite segment of the week. It's the segment when I get to talk to Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. Briefing.com, a great source of non-biased domestic and international market information, news, insights, and just a lot of good stuff there on Financially Speaking. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Yeah, Rob, I'm doing well. It's nice to speak to you again. Yeah, yeah. I had ski week last week. Do you, do you all have ski weeks out in Chicago? Uh, well, not out of Chicago. you got to go up to Wisconsin <laughs> if you want to get that okay. done. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, but haven't taken many of those recently myself. Our, our school system is so broke here. They, they give the kids a week off for school, and they call it ski week. It's just another way of saying we don't want to pay the teachers that week and babysit your kids. So anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> Stock market. What do you think about this recovery? We've recovered more than 50% of the big dramatic pullback in February. Too soon, too fast, or just about right? Yeah, you know, that's a, it is a hard question to answer. Um, it's consistent, I think, we, you know, obviously with what we've seen uh, over the years where the market has shown a propensity to, to bounce back quickly from, from any type of sell-off, uh, let alone a, a 10% plus correction. And, you know, and I think what has transpired here is that you've had a uh, quite a tailwind from, you know, corporations coming back into the market and repurchasing their shares uh, after being blacked out from doing that during the earnings reporting period. Um, you know, you've also had a little bit of a tempering of the move in long-term rates. Uh, and so uh, it kind of has gotten people reoriented around the idea that, yes, rates are up, but all things considered, they're still very low, historically speaking. And then you juxtapose that with extremely strong earnings growth. And you have a market that's willing to uh, take a step back and, and recognize that that sell-off we saw was a volatility event uh, and largely technically driven, too. So uh, so now, with a ability to refocus on a pretty encouraging fundamental picture, you've seen the market take advantage of that and buyers be opportunistic and buying into that dip, and therefore you've got a, a nice move back up here. Um, now, having said all that, I do think that the market has been made aware that we're nearing or we're at some really important inflection points that will make the road ahead uh, more challenging uh, and which are making it known that the easy money, so to speak, has definitely been made in this you know, uh, recovery rally. And I'm not speaking just of what we've seen over the last few weeks. I'm talking about what we've seen over the last you know, eight years, basically. So um, so the road ahead will be a little bit more, more challenging as it relates to multiple expansion as interest rates move up, uh, and uh, and then the returns you're likely to see on, uh, on stock prices. I once had an economist on the air tell me that he thinks the Federal Reserve has caused every major recession in modern times. Um, I'm not asking you for the same perspective, 
But what are your thoughts about how much we're paying attention to the Federal Reserve this year and the 10-year Treasury? And are we micromanaging? Are we, are we right to be worried? Are we doing the appropriate due diligence? What are your thoughts on the Federal Reserve and how we should be playing it? Yeah, well, that is one of the and probably the uh, key inflection points in the market. Um, you know, we've gotten accustomed to seeing interest rates remaining low for so long, and we've gotten accustomed to seeing the Fed uh, basically provide a security blanket for the market for some time now. And and the Federal Reserve is sounding more and more confident about its desire to uh, raise interest rates, albeit gradually. Um, but the, the message to the market right now is that, um, you know, the path of least resistance at this juncture certainly appears to be the upside with respect to what the Fed's going to do with interest rate policy. And uh, and that's that's an important component because you also have uh, the market staring at um, rising inflation expectations, uh, and you've had such a long period of low and stable inflation that there are concerns that the fiscal stimulus plan and the tight labor markets are going to lead to a pickup in inflation um, you know, relatively soon here. And so if that's the case, you get these concerns about the Fed potentially being behind the curve, and if the Fed is ultimately found to be behind the curve, then maybe it needs to get more aggressive with its monetary policy, and then that creates all sorts of problems, usually for the market and the economy. So, uh, so it's definitely you know a, a key point of interest here, and uh, there isn't much that's going to happen in 2018 that isn't going to revolve around the Federal Reserve itself or concerns, at least, related to what the Federal Reserve might do. It's fascinating that you say that, because uh, I remember just like two years ago, I was so comfortable with super low interest rates. I started saying, it's the new norm. And now it's like it's getting back to historical averages. And it's we do change our, our, we do change our mind, or we do evolve with the times. Um, I think I'm saying the right things there. I'm not 100% positive. Um, big boys well, like it, Apple and JP. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, you know, when things have been one way for a really long time, you know, it's easy for complacency to set in. And when uh, when things change abruptly, uh, that's when you get these volatility events, and and that's yeah. really what we're driving at is is that you know the market has grown accustomed to seeing uh, so many important influences be one way for such an extended period of time, i.e., low volatility, low interest rates, a Federal Reserve that is you know, certainly very supportive of asset you know, inflation. Uh, and those things seem to be at a point now where they're, they're likely to change and not be as, uh, um, as agreeable or uh, as, as the market has seen over the last several years. And therefore, that's why, you know, I alluded to the top of the interview that you're going to see uh, it more challenging to achieve multiple expansion in that type of environment as we deal with the change and it's and again it's important to note that you know interest rates again they're not high on a nominal or real basis in a historic sense but the fact is is that the directionally that you can see the change happening and the question will be how quickly that adjustment takes place and that's going to be the uh, you know the trigger for volatility but something that happens you know quite quite rapidly uh, but if it trends higher in a manageable fashion, you know, stock prices and the stock market can, can handle that a little bit better here because you have such strong underlying earnings growth going on right now. It's good times. It's good times right now. But I worry about the future because 
Right now they're saying the tax cuts are good for the market, and I know that most of the tax cuts don't last forever, so down the road, when they go back to their place, maybe they'll be bad for the market, but maybe that'll never happen. Maybe we'll keep them low. Like it's You can speculate yourself into to craziness in this current market. But let's talk about some of the big boys. Um, we've got leadership from tech, financial, and consumer discretionary. Apple, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Amazon. Um, the big boys are really, they've been a good, safe bet. Someone, there's an article today in the paper about uh, Netflix is up 45%. Just buy it. You're like, whoa, that's kind of scary. But so far, that's been advice that's worked, right? Well, there's no question uh, that it, it seems to have worked for anyone embracing that that approach. Um, and that, you know, that's really going to boil down to what, you know, an individual investor's risk tolerances are, what their investment discipline is. You know, are they geared more toward value-oriented stocks or growth-oriented stocks? You know, clearly, if, it's, if they're geared toward value-oriented stocks, then they're going to let that boat, you know, pass them by. Um, but obviously, for any growth-oriented investor who has continued to um, ride out, you know, Amazon and Netflix and, and companies of the same um, like, you know, have done extremely well here, you know, through the years. And, you know, I suppose the stock is really as worth as much as what the next person is willing to pay for it. But at some point, um, you, you know, you, you do you hit a point where uh, people aren't as willing to pay up as they, they once were. And when you have a really crowded ownership position, uh, that's when you see things, you know, get disruptive here. Um, and, and you can see uh, material losses in a short amount of time that catch everyone by surprise, which is really what we saw a few weeks ago when you had a collective de-risking in the equity market uh, in some very you know crowded trades, particularly that short volatility trade. Anything else that you're working on right now, Mr. O'Hare, that you think we should be informed of? Well, you know, Fed Chairman Powell is, spe- is out, you know, speaking as we speak right now uh, to the House Financial Services Committee, giving a semi-annual monetary policy report. Um, so I'm, you know, keeping tabs on that, and most likely will be, you know, the topic of this week's big picture, just simply doing a review of, of what he says, uh, primarily because it's important since this is his first presentation as Fed chairman uh, for the market to be aware of. And obviously, what we talked about, the Fed's going to be a focal point all year long. And, you know, we might as well uh, start focusing on things today, certainly, given that this is his first go-around in front of Congress. Uh, and he'll be the one we'll be hearing from for uh, for several years now. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. Anything on your big picture column that you're working for this week? Well, that will probably be most of uh, what what the big picture column will be oriented around is Fed policy and what we heard this week from Mr. Powell. Yeah, it's kind of the year of Fed policy, isn't it? It's kind of the year of how does the market react when the 10-year hits three? Yeah, not just Fed policy, but central bank policy, right? So we also have to take account what the ECB and the Bank of Japan are also going to be up to this year. And so that's a really important dynamic as well, uh, running alongside what the the Federal Reserve is going to be doing. They sound great. Your information is solid. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. He writes page one. I start my morning every day with it. He covers, in a well-written, entertaining fashion, he covers everything you need to be aware of in this market setup. Uh, It's good stuff. You can find out more at Briefing.com. It's Briefing.com. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Find me online at RobLexShow.com. 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Couple things, I got an email. And if this was not a real email, would I be able to go like this? <laughs> You've got like Jimmy to Dave Letterman. Letterman used to do viewer mail questions, and uh, I remember in high school writing him letters like, um, you just come up with the craziest questions and try to get on, you know, I think he did viewer mail on Thursday nights or Friday nights, and it'd always be stuff like, you know, handwritten letters from, you know, 18-year-old college kids who are stoned, and uh, there'd always be questions like, uh, does Zippy the late night monkey live in your, in your house or in your office, and you, you know. It was cute. It was well done. So here's an email that I get. Not quite as cute or as fun. Been a long time listener with the goal of renting a house. Understand that you want to rent your house to be cash flow positive. Now keep in mind, uh, he's giving me a lot of credit that he's taking, you know, things have to be biblical, like set in stone. He said, there's an outside chance my wife and I might move abroad for two years and we'd prefer to rent our house rather than sell it. We've owned it for three years. We live in a luxury housing market in Sonoma. If we can't get a renter to cover our mortgage and property tax, about 4500 would just the mortgage be a good benchmark, $3,500? Um, I would rate down everything you can. Take a look at how much principal they would be paying down. I would think in Sonoma, you'd probably have a pretty easy time to rent it at this point in time after the fires of Napa. has uh, kind of thrown the housing market into dislocation. I would consider strongly using a property management company. Uh, but negotiate it because if you're in a good school district, say, look, you know, let's get someone in for two years, you know, and uh, they'll be thrilled. Uh, let's get them in if you want to go below market rent and do 3500 versus 4500 whatever it is. I don't know how nice of a place it is, but you can probably figure that out by going on Craigslist and see what people are renting the homes for that are similar to yours in your neighborhood. I would check um, your school scores, and if they're good, uh, you got something a little more valuable that you know you might be able to get a family in there for two years, maybe even longer, renting it. I don't think you have to be cash flow positive. I think you should take into account that someone's paying down principal as well as cash flow. Um, I would put yourself in a situation where that you don't get hurt. Um, you know, is thirty five hundred or forty five hundred dollars a lot of money to you, or is it something you can you know uh, live without if someone doesn't pay it for a month or two? I would look into property management as well. So that and more is my opinion. Again, keep in mind, I don't really have an opinion because I don't know you and your financial situation terribly well and intimately. But, um, you know, I'm looking at a vacation property that I'd be paying $8,000. Mortgage would be about 28000 a year. Uh, plus, there'd be money down, so that would be losing opportunity cost. But, uh, you know, if I'm paying myself 8000 in principal a year, that 28000 I kind of play with in a round number and 20,000 in my head. Um, and then I go, how many vacations will I actually take there? And then you kind of throw that number out and then you go, is there appreciation? And there's not a lot of appreciation in vacation homes. Um, they're kind of like artwork where you buy it and you appreciate it. Um, but you also could have things that you could look at it as if you teach your kid to mountain bike that year, that's kind of like a university of mountain biking. You know, you got a good quarter uh, month to to exploit and do it right. So that's just my opinion. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. If you want to drop me an email, you can. Rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. UPS is a stock that's well off of its 52-week highs. 
And I like EPS because it's tough to replicate what they've done. One analyst is, is saying the same thing out there that, you know, Amazon, if they try to build a clone of UPS or FedEx, it seems, you know, that they're going to try to lower prices, increase capacity. But shipping is a very low end of business for Amazon. Um, so what Amazon needs to do really is keep its facilities, its trucks, and its aircraft more fully utilized. Um, or they need to have some sort of leverage and pricing negotiation with UPS and FedEx. But to go out and, like, buy planes and lease planes, and you're spending a lot of money. The infrastructure cost is high to compete with uh, UPS and or Federal Express. So spending billions over decades just isn't smart for Amazon, at least spending money on transportation. They may figure out a better way of doing it, and they may, you know, reinvent the wheel. But UPS isn't stupid either, so that's a stock that I'm taking a look at. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to buy it, but means taking a look at so i've got a big event coming up that i hope to see you at um it's going to be an event in foster city it's retirement income strategies and estate planning march 8th um foster city 6 30 to 8 30 crown plaza hotel uh, talk about portfolio accumulation good retirement products uh, right accounts to draw from social security strategies for instance i uh, saw a woman who was a little bit older yesterday she dropped me an email and she said Oh, my, my, my. I want to um, prepay a mortgage. I'm like, why? <clears throat> she says, oh, well, I can cut years off in, on the back end. I'm like, well, you can double your money every 7.2 years if you just put it into a stock account and pay off, buy a whole second house when you're done. So I don't believe in prepaying mortgages. I think people who do it are financially irresponsible. Got tickets to give away. Uh, Ricardo Ohano, um, <clears throat> March 11th, 2018. He is a super popular Latin American singer. He's going to be at the SAP Center. You can find out information by going to sapcenter.com or kdow.biz. kdow.biz. Um, so Sunday, March 11th, 2018, Ricardo Arano. Uh, it's some sort of like circus kind of crazy thing event put together with his singing and his crooning and his good looks and his Latin style. I would imagine the SAP Center will be alive with energy because he's one of the top-selling artists from Latin America. You can win tickets by calling 800-516-1220. I've got a pair of tickets for March 11th, 2018, 7 o'clock, San Jose, SAP Center. That's a good poll. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.